Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Right now, I am very fascinated with the regenerative medicine options that are becoming more and more available. And one of those options is peptide therapy. Now, peptide therapy is used in a lot of different instances, but some of the instances are for recovery after intense exercise or to help enhance sleep or even to help different parts of the system, such as your gut. So in this episode, we're going to be diving a lot into those different categories. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And today, I have Dr. Amber Krogsrud on the show to teach us all about peptide therapy. And uh, right now, it's a growing field of medicine, and there's a lot that we still don't know. But what we do currently know about peptides is working very well for the applications that they're being used in. So Dr. Amber is a licensed naturopathic doctor, and she is trained in regenerative medicine, detoxification protocols, hormone testing and treatment, bioidentical hormone therapy, peptide therapy, and IV nutrient therapy. Uh, Her practice is located down in Redondo Beach, California, and she is a member of the International Peptide Society. So let's jump into my conversation with Dr. Amber. Thank you, Dr. Amber, for coming onto the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me here, Brian. It's good to be on the podcast. Of course, and I'm really excited to chat with you about peptide therapy today. But before we start talking about peptides, let's learn a little bit more about you, your background, and what got you interested in peptides in the first place. Yeah, so I am a licensed naturopathic doctor, and I did actually a lot of my training in Seattle, Washington. And so Uh, At the point when I was in school, I actually didn't know a ton about peptide therapy, but what brought me to that training specifically was a few things. I grew up in the Midwest on a standard American diet and really saw this transformation in my own life of changing my nutrition when I was about 17, 18, 19, did a lot of podcasting, just started changing my life through these... uh, you know, I was doing a lot of raw food and green juices and salads and really just changed how I felt and and how I learned, in fact. And so in college, I had tutored at two different universities. And it was that experience that really taught me about this connection between nutrition and cognition. So the ability of the brain to learn and think and comprehend and how our lifestyle played a a huge role in that. And so that got me really curious and I always knew I wanted to do something within the health, medicine, wellness space. And so I heard about, I was in pre-med and I heard about this program I said, this is exactly what I want to pursue. I want to be able to help people in this way. And Really, it was a shoot for the stars. So it was, you know, 11 years of schooling total Um, and a lot of clinicals, very rigorous. I had to learn so many principles that I now work with lots of my patients, either run businesses, their their parents, they have a lot on their plate. And so how do we help support people and have a, a plan for wellness when they have a lot on their plate and learned a lot of that through my medical training and then the the peptide therapy actually came later 
Uh, right after I graduated, I really learned about it. And at that time, I graduated med school and I had some mysterious symptoms. <laughs> and so I had brain fog and I had some gut issues and uh, my childhood eczema came back with a vengeance. And so at that time, I started having these uh, health concerns and, and did all of the things that I knew about that I learned about in medical school to resolve that. Did a lot of lab testing to figure out what's going on. I had a candida overgrowth, very, very common. And it was actually, I found the peptide therapy that, and that was the one thing that really moved the needle for me. It really turned that around, resolved my skin issues, my brain fog went away, saw you know, massive improvements in my gut health with a lot of the the peptide therapy. So that's where it started for me. And then I got trained in it as a practitioner through an organization called A4M. And that's the Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. And so that that for me was the transformational experience of using it myself, learning it, and then utilizing it with all of my patients. And it's one of the therapies that I really grabbed onto because I saw it was working not only for me, but for a lot of people I was working with. It's pretty interesting. I hear this uh, quite often that people in med medical school, um, towards the end of medical school, they start uh, getting a lot of health issues start to pop up. So my question to you is, do you think your health issues were stemming from the amount of stress that you're under as you're studying, um, the late nights, uh, prepping for exams and all that type of stuff, and all of that impacting the rest of your body and how it's functioning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember driving to clinic shifts and just shoveling food in my mouth and walking into the clinic shift and we were, you know, telling our patients to slow down when they eat. <laughs> uh, you know, in moments like that, it it's a your the craziness of that schedule. Definitely, the stress of it uh, can be demanding on the body. And I I felt like I took really good care of myself in medical school. I felt like I slept more than the average person. I worked out most days of the week. I was active. I did green juice. I ate a really I would say healthy diet. But that just goes to show that that chronic stress plays a huge role in our long-term health. We could be doing all of these lifestyle things right as well, but having this bear that's chasing us, or this lion that's chasing us every day and our nervous system is in overdrive, uh, that can really take a toll on every system of the body and age us faster, yeah. So what exactly is peptide therapy? I'm sure people have heard of proteins and amino acids and peptides from that. Is that the same thing or is it different? Yeah, so it's a similar idea where most people have probably heard that word. Peptide is the collagen peptide supplement that's in their kitchen cupboard. Uh, they may have heard about uh, peptides as the what happens when we break down proteins in the body and so it's a similar concept it's really what i learned in med school about the protein breaking down into the peptide breaking down into those amino acids those subunits and so uh, a peptide is really just a small protein just a bunch of amino acids connected together and the biochemical definition is anything less than 50 amino acids in length so very short and so most of the peptides that we use therapeutically are under that 50 uh, unit in length, but there are a few exceptions. 
Uh, I would say the peptides that most people have heard about uh, being used in medicine are insulin. That was really the first peptide that we discovered and started utilizing. And so that is uh, just a chain of amino acids. We now use insulin therapy widely in medicine. Also, HCG was uh, a big discovery, and that is also a peptide that has been used for a long time in medicine. And so uh, most people maybe haven't heard about peptide therapy, but they've heard about insulin and they've heard about HCG. <laughs> and so HCG, uh, there's the HCG diet, and we use it to boost testosterone levels in males as well. And so those are a couple uh, peptides that are probably really familiar. Oxytocin is another one that was discovered, uh, has this like hormone effect, uh, but does have, the, fits into that category as well. So essentially the goal of utilizing these peptide therapies is they're signaling molecules. So they bind to this receptor in the cell. Think about like hormones do or neurotransmitters. Peptides can act as both. Some peptides do have a hormone-like effect. Some do have a neurotransmitter-like effect. Uh, but we're really binding to the cell and causing this specific response. Usually it's a repair, cell repair. Sometimes it's improving the energy production in the cell, in the mitochondria. There's really different uses depending on what we're trying to target. Interesting. So are these high dose peptides then so are you targeting specific peptides that have specific functions and then are you doing high dose or is it a, lo a lower dose over a longer period of time yeah great question so many of the the peptide therapies are cycled on and cycled off so if it's a really acute issue there may be a higher dose for a shorter period of time uh, say four weeks we're going to dose it higher if somebody's been in a uh, accident, a trauma, post-surgery, we're going to, you know, up their, their intake of some of these repair and recovery peptides so that we're really uh, signaling that tissue to repair. And so they're used short time, short term, many of them, and then we cycle off of them and then we can always add it back in the future. There are a few that can be used slightly long term, but many of them are cycled on and cycled off. Uh, repetitively. And what type of applications are you using? Are these injection-based? Are they uh, supplemental-based? What are they? Yeah, so there's multiple different forms. This is what I think most people probably aren't familiar with. They may have heard about the injectable peptides. That's what most people have heard about. You can actually get some of these peptide therapies in a supplement form, so in a capsule form something like BPC-157, that body protection compound is what that stands for. And that's really good for the uh, mucus lining in the gut. So it really protects that mucus membrane that can be destroyed in acid reflux or leaky gut. And so that one does come in a capsule. Uh, there's a couple others that do as well, but most of them, many of them are going to be most effective in an injection. Also, many of my patients who are quite chronically ill don't absorb well in their gut because uh, of the leaky gut picture, the intestinal permeability that's happening. And so if we can bypass the gut, for most people that can be advantageous, we can use either an injectable form, and that's usually into the subcutaneous fat, 
somewhere in the body, usually the abdomen. Or we can use a topical form. Some of them can be compounded and be applied topically. I use that in a lot in psoriasis and eczema and acne. We can get peptides like KPV. That's really phenomenal for histamine responses and mast cell activation. We can get those compounded topically to apply to the skin. You can also take KPV as a capsule as well. So there's the injection, the capsule, the topical. We have patches that have actually are a newer development. So there's a technology where uh, if you were just to slap something like NAD onto the skin, it would not absorb. But if you put it on a patch, it would absorb into the skin quite well. It uses iontophoresis and it, it can allow us to deliver pretty high doses of some of these nutrients, up to 800 milligrams of NAD in a patch. Pretty substantial. So that's an option. And then there's also the intranasal options as well, which I love and use quite frequently. And so those are very specific for the brain because we're breathing them in. Some of them can cross the bl blood brain barrier and support mood. They can support cognitive focus. So they have a nootropic capacity. Uh, there's one called um, synapsin that I use a lot for head trauma, TBIs, concussions, where we really want to protect the brain uh, from long-term neuroinflammation. We really want to quelch that inflammation. And so that's an intranasal as well. And so there's lots of lots of different options. It just depends on the person. Uh, if they're scared of needles, usually we look to use some of the other options. Yeah, that's great that there's so many different ways to utilize it. So, and you brought up a, a very good point that if people have digestive issues and they're having issues with absorption, then going through the mouth might not be the best option and using something like an injectable would be a better option. Um, now, if you are taking stuff via the mouth, uh, taking a capsule or something similar, is there a problem where your body might take these peptides and utilize it in different parts of the body than what you're trying to target? And if so, how do you know if it's working in the right region or if it's working on something else? Hmm. Yeah, there is an innate intelligence in the body. So say you have a torn ligament or you have an injury. So you injured your knee doing a sport or being active. And so if, if you injured your knee and you take a combination of repair peptides for connective tissue, muscle tissue, oftentimes I like to use that BPC-157. It's good at uh, really helping... The gut lining but it's really phenomenal for bringing blood flow to connective tissue which is notoriously known for having terrible blood flow and that's why it doesn't heal quite as well and so yes if there is an injury the body is really smart and will direct the peptide that we administer whether injection or capsule or even topical to that area of injury to primarily target the repair in that site very interesting. So where are we at in the research of peptides right now? I'm assuming it's still pretty early on. So if you had to give like a percentage of knowledge that we know about this, what percentage would you give it? Oh, man, probably about 50 or 60%. Oh, okay. 
There is a good amount that's known. So there's been research on insulin, on HCG, and really where much of the research began was in Russia. The Russians were way ahead of their time. They, they took a bit of a different path in terms of medical research, and they went on, on the path of uh, peptide therapy, whereas America went more on the pharmacology of drugs. And so we did have some uh, discoveries here, but they had many different developments that happened there. And so they were using a lot of these peptide therapies to enhance the performance and recovery of many of their athletes. So they were doing studies and testing some of the growth hormone secretagogues, things that help your body make growth hormone for better athletic recovery and uh, improve deep sleep. And so yeah, there was a lot of research done in the 1970s, 1980s in Russia as well. And so there are, I would say, there's newer studies that are coming out, but there is a, a substantial amount of, of research on specific peptides, whereas there's uh, other peptides that have less. So so it just depends on exactly which one we're talking about. But there has been a, a fairly good amount of research done on, on many of these. Is there still quite a few peptides that uh, we may have discovered but know nothing about, or maybe we haven't even discovered yet? Yes. Is there a lot of room for growth? Oh, 100%. Yeah, there are so many. So just like hormones, <laughs> peptides are similar to hormones in that there's signaling molecules in the body, and we're still discovering new signaling pathways in the brain every day in medicine. There's still so much we don't know. So yes. We've discovered a subset of, of peptides, I would say, uh, you know, like 6,000, but there, there could be 100,000. It's just the exploration of, of what humans can even isolate and identify in a test tube uh, that, <laughs> that can give us information. So, yeah, I think there's still a whole lot of room for development and, and research and discovery in this aspect of, of medicine. Awesome. Well, one of the things I definitely want to go into is different um, uh, uh, scenarios in which you would use peptides and what type of peptides you would use for it and how it would improve or impact the body. So, for instance, if someone is exercising, um, they're they're training really hard. So there's, um, you know, there's a lot of tissue breakdown in their training protocols, so they need to focus on recovery in between their hard uh, exercise, bouts of exercise. Uh, what type of peptides would be beneficial for that? And um, what would you do for like a protocol for that? Yeah, there's a few that I tend to go to for more of the athletic recovery. And so the the first place that i really like to optimize is sleep with many of those athletes we know that that's just the critical time where our body goes into cellular repair mode <laughs> and so if we can improve that deep sleep that quality of sleep it doesn't necessarily mean the length but really the quality is what we're assessing and so the the peptides that tend to really optimize or can help with deep sleep there's a few of them one of them, uh, there's the growth hormone secretagogues, which do what, what the name sounds like. So they help your body. They send a signal to your body to make more of its own growth hormone. 
And so they remove this blockage to the production of, of growth hormone somatostatin, and they allow the body to get that signal to make its own. So it's very different than uh, exogenous growth hormone. We don't get the same down regulation that happens when you take exogenous growth hormone. We don't get the same side effect profile. It really just improves your natural function and production. And we know that you make a lot of growth hormone when you're young, in your 20s, and your hair grows thick, and you can stay up all night and feel okay. <laughs> we know you have a lot of growth hormone at that point, so we can just optimize that level uh, back to what you were at a younger age. And I have seen uh, men and women who have better hair growth with some of these peptides. We know that low growth hormone can contribute to hair thinning and hair loss, among so many other things. Uh, but I, I like to start usually with some sort of, especially if the person is 40, 50 years old, we know that their growth hormone levels at about 50 and 60 are at least half of what they were making in their 20s. So they're probably fallen off quite substantially. And so that's one place where we can really improve their recovery. And so growth hormone has all of these receptors in the body, literally in every tissue, but it helps with uh, muscle mass. It can help with, we talked about hair. Uh, I noticed the cognitive benefits of it, especially if I take it in the morning, sharper brain function. When you improve, we can also improve that deep sleep measure on a sleep tracker. So an aura ring or a whoop band or any sort of tracker you can actually test how, how long your deep sleep is. And I've seen uh, some of these peptides really improve that for people who have a short amount of deep sleep most nights. And so when we optimize sleep, all of the parameters during the day improve, brain function, workouts, energy levels, uh, muscle repair. We really see benefits in all of those areas. Growth hormone is also the hormone that our body naturally makes to regulate bot body mass, so building muscle and burning off fat. That's why we stay thin when we're younger. So that's the first one that I really find helpful. Awesome. And can you time peptides so that like, let's say you're going to have a hard uh, workout or an event um, in the morning, can you take certain peptides that would help you to perform better during those hard workouts or events? Yeah, so there, I, I would say some combination, some sort of growth hormone secretagogue would be a good option. And then I also like to use these two other peptide options. One's very specific for muscle tissue, and the other is really specific for connective tissue. And I did mention them with the repair and recovery protocol that I often use when there's an injury. So thymosin beta-4 is this peptide that our thymus gland, which is right beneath your sternum, naturally makes. And so it makes thymusin alpha-1 and thymusin beta-4. These peptides tend to decrease with age, but they really relate to our body's ability to repair and regenerate tissue uh, as well as immune function. And so that one can be really, really phenomenal. You think about as we age, our our tissues don't heal as well. If you get a cut, you don't heal a wound quite as well as you age. The reason for that is often these declining levels of thymus peptides. So we can replenish that thymus in beta-4, which is really good uh, at repairing muscle tissue, essentially any 
epithelial <laughs> uh, tissue as well can be supported, but it just helps repair injured tissue, especially we think about all of the muscle tears that happen during workouts. Uh, BPC-157 is the peptide, that body protection compound, again, which is good for connective tissue and helps to bring blood flow to those connective tissues to repair them. So those are all, I'd say those, those three, the growth hormones, secretagogues, the thymus and beta-4, and the BPC are really a beautiful blend in, in concert. And there's a lot of options in the growth hormones, secretagogue category. There's CJC, ipamorelin, sermorelin. There's a lot of options that are there. Perfect. Um, and since we're talking about uh, sports performance, et cetera, uh, what are the legalities around utilizing these in, let's say, professional sports, college sports, et cetera? Yeah. So many of them are banned by WADA and a, a lot of the organizations that govern uh, athletes. There are exceptions, but for the most part, the growth hormone secretagogues are banned, the thymus and beta, many of the thymus peptides are, because they do promote recovery and, and repair and better athletic performance. Uh, for the, the place where they can be used without concern is people who are training for an Ironman, doing a race, um, usually competitions that aren't tested, like some of the fitness competitions. So there are times and places where they can be used, but yeah, in professional sports, uh, they are on the ban list. Many of them are. So if you're doing your neighborhood turkey trot, run for your pies, whatever, <laughs> by all means, go for it. Get as <laughs> much performance enhancement as you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, now let's transition away from like sport performance and et cetera. And then let's talk about sexual function. Can peptides be used to improve sexual function, uh, in improve uh, circulation, sensitivity, et cetera? Yes. Yeah, and there's a few that can be helpful here. So there's this system of the brain that's called the Melanocortin system. And many people probably haven't heard about that that system, but it really governs uh, our, it does govern libido, but it also governs our melanin in our skin, which is the pigmentation that causes our skin cells to get darker, governs our appetite, uh, can have some anti-inflammatory, has some impacts on our uh, immune system as well. Uh, so it, it plays a role in all of these different systems, but it does govern uh, libido. And, and so there's a few different peptides. There's really three main peptides that affect this system of the body, that melanocortin system. And the one that's really used for men and women for uh, either sexual dysfunction or uh, just wanting to improve uh, their experience is this peptide that's called bremelanotide or PT-141. And it is an injection. There is an intranasal version of it that you can use as well. And it actually works uh, differently than Viagra. So Viagra works on the blood flow and PT-141 bremelinotide works on the central nervous system. So for people who are too stressed and in too sympathetic of a state, they can't get into that parasympathetic rest and digest state, which you really need to be in uh, for arousal. And so 
it works differently and and that's why it can be really helpful for maybe the person who is really high strung and and <laughs> has a low libido because they're so stressed right that's where it can be really helpful there's a couple other peptides that also fit into that melanocortin system one of them is called melanotan one and the other one's called melanotan two and those are really specific they do have a libido boosting element uh, but they they have a more specific function for increasing the melanin in the skin, which causes this tanning uh, presentation. So your skin will actually get tanner. I like to call those the tropical vacation peptides because they, they mimic what you would experience if you went to Fiji. Uh, your immune system improves, your you know skin's less inflamed, your appetite decreases, your libido is better. You get tan, so uh, that one that one's kind of nice, but it does have more of a mild libido boosting property. Whereas PT one forty one is very specific; you take it right before sex. It's very specific for for that function. It's a vacation in the bottle. That's yeah, <laughs> great great descriptor. That's that's pretty much what I I uh, share about what it is. And then um. So when you're taking these peptides, I'm assuming if you complement it with healthy lifestyle, uh, good diet, lots of sleep, etc., then you're going to get more benefits out of this. If you're not doing any of that and you're trying to just throw peptides at whatever problem that you're trying to help with, is that going to be very effective or do you need to make the other changes as well? Yeah, many of these therapies are not used as a standalone and I never... Uh, these are not a magic pill for for anybody. They are really beautifully used. I have some chronic illness patients who have mycotoxin exposure. They have fibromyalgia, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, and sometimes they've done all of those. They've you know changed their diet. They're on a very restricted diet. They've you know cleaned up so many things in their environment, and they still really haven't gotten massive results in terms of how they feel and so that's that's an opportunity when we can bring in some of the peptides that really work on a deeper level on restoring what's happening in the cell uh, for energy production and also can restore some of that immune function that might have been lost that 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 thymus gland that we mentioned earlier and so there are times when you know this is we want to always use it in concert with healthy diet, lifestyle, sleep. Uh, same with the sleep, pe the peptide that improves deep sleep. You know, if you're only sleeping three hours a night and you're taking it, it's, it's still challenging to feel well the next day. We need to make sure that you're prioritizing sleep as well. So, uh, yeah, there are definitely these pillars, lifestyle pillars that are complementary. And this is not a, a magic pill, but it's very complementary to somebody who's already you know, cooking and eating a lot of herbs and doing a lot of uh, transformation in their lifestyle. They're, they're working out, they're hydrating, they're, you know, taking supplements, they're doing certain things already. And then adding in the peptides can really take them uh, to another level. And for a lot of these peptides, are you able to just get them over the counter or do you have to have a prescription? Yeah, so the capsules are... Uh, deemed as a supplement, so you can get those over the counter. Anybody can get those. There are some, even with the capsules, there's some indications and contraindications. So I, I recommend to, you know, I, I recommend them to people. 
uh, when I work with them, but there are some things to know before taking some of the capsules. But yeah, many of them are a prescription uh, where it's through a compounding pharmacy, so it's not a the same pharmacy that you get lisinopril or many many of the other pharmaceutical drugs from. But there's specific compounding pharmacies that can produce it because they have a, a machine where they can test it. And it's about a half a million dollar machine called an HPLC that tests for quality and and uh, so that what's in the vial is actually the active uh, peptide that you want to be using. So you can, uh, there are some vendors online that also sell many of these peptides. The issue there is that many of them are not tested. Many of them are uh, produced at, at one place, shipped overseas, uh, sitting on a shelf, and then they send it to you. And so quality is really, really a concern and an issue, especially, you know, I'm really think about what I put in my body, in my mouth, in my food supplements. And so anything we inject into our body, we want to make sure it is highest quality. We don't want to mess around with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to get anything that's contaminated or anything else and you're injecting that into your system. That doesn't sound like a smart idea. No, not at all. Well, is there anything else around peptides and peptide therapy that you feel like we should talk about before we wrap everything up? You know, uh, there are a lot of, there's, there's really, I think where this comes into play is in medicine, we've often replenished hormones for people. So at, as the age, we tend to replenish testosterone for women, estrogen, progesterone at times. And the, what we've really forgotten or lost sight of is that many of these peptide signaling molecules also drop off as we age, just like growth hormone. Uh, many of these organs produce less of these peptides. And so they're really used successfully as we age. But even there are still, there are young people. I have uh, women and men who are in their early 20s, teens, that are chronically ill as well. And so I use them in, in more of the aging population, really complementary to bioidentical hormones, doesn't have to be used with that, but it's really replenishing what's been lost with age, with stress, with you know everything that your body's been through. If you've been through accidents and traumas and sports and overtraining, these can be really, really supportive of the body. So there's not really a, a population that's untouched. I'd say maybe not kids. I don't really use these in, but usually with Conditions of age is where they come in really, really handy. Is there any type of testing that you can do to see what peptides are low or need some work on? So that's the challenge at this point in time is because these are used so quickly in the body and they are like hormones, but they're, they're really quickly metabolized. They're difficult to test. We can test the downstream effects though. So for that melanotan 2 peptide, we can we can test this value called alpha MSH. It's a, we find it low in people who have toxic mold exposure, mycotoxin illness. And so we can run that value. If they're low in that, then we can uh, replenish that through some of the peptide therapy. So there are, uh, same with the growth hormone secretagogues, we can look at more of the downstream markers of, of what's happening in the body to see if they might be low or if they could benefit from that. But there is, uh, a bit of a challenge, the, I would say the oat testing, the organic acid testing, which is usually a urine test where we look at 
what's happening in the cell, the mitochondria, what's happening with energy production, that can give us some clues as to what peptides could be most helpful, but it's really difficult to pinpoint uh, a certain peptide on a lab test and, and find it in the blood. So it's just quickly used. Hmm. Yep. Figured there, we're not quite there to be able to fully test and figure all that out. That'd be too easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have a favorite peptide? Ooh. So I, I like the, uh, I use the BPC when I was going through my own healing journey. I found that one to be really helpful. And I like using that. I would say the one that I've noticed, noticed the most substantial change with was the CJC ipermorelin uh, for deep sleep. And so I just found that when I was taking that one, my, my sleep was much more restorative. Uh, my brain was sharper the next day. My workouts were better. My, it really helped with body composition. I was already eating clean, but it really just helped me build lean muscle mass and burn off fat mass and uh, it, there is a sort of mitochondrial element where it can improve energy production in the cell as well. So that one had the, the greatest overarching effects. I noticed that in most most every system in the body, I, I saw some some improvement with that one. Awesome. Well, my final question for you is, what is your vision of what healthy looks like and what are three things you do daily to reach that vision? Mm, I would say pursuing your highest uh, self, essentially, like the healthiest, most uh, enlightened, most loving self that you can be pursuing that every day. And then really teaching other people and showing other people how to do that as well. Just being a really powerful influence to the people around you. And for me, that's that can be my patience too, because I demonstrate that so that I can pass that on and, and inspire them to do the same. Uh, I would say, you know, the peptides are definitely one thing that I do daily, um, but that's more of a, a next level thing. I would say more of the, the lifestyle things that I do is movement every day. I usually get up and take a walk on the ocean in the morning. We know that movement is so powerful. A exercise is the best antidepressant on the planet. Those endorphins are really powerful for mood. And so if you're ever having a bad day, uh, you're, you know, feeling down about something, exercise, movement, breathing, even going for a walk can be so powerful for, for shifting our mood. So that's the one thing, uh, one of the things. The other thing is I love to cook and I know that not everybody fits in that category, uh, but I think Cooking your own food and nourishing your body is a really important part of that self-care journey. And, and it's medicine for us. We know that our food will make up the next version of us, our, our future selves that are dying and repairing daily. Our food is, is really what builds the next version of you. And so uh, I once heard a doctor who had a quote and he said, I can't really help anybody who isn't willing to learn to cook for themselves. And so it's so important to, you know, think about what we're putting in our mouth and, and there's food, meal prep services and there's all sorts of things that we can do too that can be helpful. But I think there's something special about just nourishing our own body and how important that is for our health. And then I think the third thing that 
is really so critical and we've realized in medicine how important this is is just human connection oh gosh how important that is to boost that that peptide that hormone oxytocin uh, which it really just bonds us to other people and oxytocin is really amazing at resisting all the downstream negative effects of stress on the body so oxytocin is kind of the superhero that prevents all the, the the you know in med school when you're stressed out all the downstream negative effects on hormones and gut health and everything so uh, connection to others uh, if you have a pet we know that that boosts oxytocin and then for me meditating every day is is that connection to self and connection to higher power i think that's also really really important uh, to stay focused on on the day and and my goals and and you know what i'm doing in life and why i'm doing it i love it i can see just your passion and how much that excites you to think through those three different uh, things that you would do daily to improve your own health so uh, I love that you were able to share that with us and just give us details into how all of us can reflect on that and improve our own health. Well, people can find more about you at dramberND.com. You're also on Instagram, dramberND, YouTube, and you have your peptideplaybook.com. Do you want to talk a little bit about peptideplaybook.com? Yeah, so we we touched on really just an overview of some of the peptide therapies, what we use them for. So the peptide uh, playbook really goes more into depth on what are some of these peptides and it'll walk through with some of the commonly used ones, what I use them for, just a, a more in-depth guide for you if you want to learn more. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Amber, thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing with us the overview of peptide therapy. I'm super fascinated by it. I know uh, there's a lot that we're still learning about it, but the stuff that we're doing right now seems to be very effective. So I'm, I'm very excited about peptide therapy overall. Likewise. I'm glad I could be here. Thank you. As you can see, there are a lot of really unique ways to utilize peptide therapy. And I'm very curious about the uses for muscle recovery and uh, anything exercise related uh, and sleep related, to be honest. So those are things I'm excited to learn more about and to be able to test at some point. If you want to learn more about Dr. Amber, then head over to dramberND.com. All right. In the last episode, you probably heard that we were closing up the Squat Challenge, which is our yearly fundraiser for the Northwest Avalanche Center. And this year we raised almost $1,500 for the Northwest Avalanche Center. So we have a ton of people going through the challenge during the month of October. So thank you everybody that jumped into the challenge and made donations. All of that money is going directly to Northwest Avalanche Center. I don't take a penny out of it. It all goes to help them provide educational materials for people and to provide daily avalanche reports as well. All right, next week I have Christian Elliott on the show. Let's go learn who he is. I am here with Christian Elliott. Hey, Christian, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? Oof, uh, probably that I've lived in seven states and 14 different cities, north, south, east, west, and big city, small city, and even medium cities. So. <laughs> and what's your favorite state if you want to uh, isolate yourself? I, I mean, I, I currently have to go with Florida. It's been amazing. I'm in my second city here and i love it 
And what will we be learning about in our interview together? You know, I, I guess what I hope you take away is, is what does whole life success um, look like? But more importantly, what does whole life success feel like? Those are very different questions. And if you can answer the second one, you're going to live a pretty meaningful life. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? Oh, man, that's a good one. There's there's so many. I guess on, on the high level, not knowing anyone's particular situation, I'd say getting more good quality, and I would underline quality, animal fats. Easiest one to get is probably butter. You can put that on your starches and your veggies and um, anything you can do to get butter in you. That's, that's an easy way to get more nutrients. And I guess beyond that, I'd say probably fermented cod liver oil or just a focus on the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, E, and K, Those thus the butter thing, or, or a good quality animal fats. Those are typically so lacking. Iodine might be another. But the, the nutrients you're most depleted in are the ones that will serve you the most when you replenish them. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? I'd say think holistically about your life, and not just in terms of your health, but thinking holistically in terms of what habits, what systems, what routines, boundaries would I have to set up so that I can live a, a healthy lifestyle? Um, and get used to thinking about your health goals in terms of capacity and trade-offs and boundaries and, and a refinement of your personal philosophy. It's, you know, the, the high-level stuff, the high-level questions are what we often skip when we go try to feel better. So that, and then I, just, I guess I would, third, I would just say develop the skill of fascinated introspection just get really curious take judgment out of the equation and get fascinated with the habits and behaviors you're in and see what you can do to optimize and improve them christian has some very good points that we'll be covering on how to manage your stress and tackling different psychological issues that you may be experiencing so until next week keep climbing to the peak of your health